Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado Radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, welcome back to the second hour of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on FM 104.3 The Fan. But as I've told you already, Terry Wickstrom is nowhere near here. I'm honestly not sure where he is. Uh, perhaps our board operator Kyle knows, but I do not. And so we do wish him safe travels and always appreciate the opportunity to get in studio. And uh, regular listeners of this show will know right away the voice of the next guy, the big booming voice of Mr. Nate. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Chad. How are you, sir? Well, I'm not as good as you because, as I understand it, you're standing on the side of a lake somewhere and you're chasing the most popular fish in Europe. <laughs> I am. You know, uh, today we're at the Don't Dash Trash Campground, and it's fun. We uh, we switched to a brand new format today. So today is a uh, our first event in kind of the digital world. Uh, so we're actually doing a video entry. So these anglers. Uh, Came to a rules meeting. We gave them a specific measure board, and uh, they are sending us video of their catches, which allows us to fish kind of different waters. We've been really limited to small bodies of water, places where we can really spread out and measure the fish for them. Uh, and now we're at Clement Park, so it's Johnson Reservoir right here in Littleton. Um, and I'll tell you what, fishing is incredible, and the anglers are loving the new format. So uh, it's pretty exciting. How, sure. how big are some of the carp you're seeing already? You know, so far we haven't seen anything giant. Biggest fish is 27 inches, um, but we are catching more. We uh, we officially have broke the uh, the all-time record of fish caught at one of our carp tournaments. Uh, you know, what is it, 10 o'clock. So these guys have till 3 p.m. Uh, so we are catching a lot more fish than normal, which is exciting. Our winner right now, uh, I believe, has right around 130 inches of fish. Um, so it's total inches of carp that will win today's tournament. There you go. Now, I, I filmed a carp show with you several years ago for Fishful Thinker Television, and it was a straight-up beatdown. We ran up and down the beach at Chatfield until I think we had six rods out between three of us, and everything was tangled, wrecked, and destroyed by the end of two hours of fishing from getting bullied by carp. Uh, oh, yeah. It, it's a lot more fun than people realize. The Europeans are very good at it. I interviewed several Europeans at ICAST this year, and uh, and they, they've got it, their system down. The guys that are in your carp tournament, are they are you seeing European tactics and things? We, we do. I would say right now, I would say 90% are Euro tactics. So, uh, I mean, we got three or four guys from England in the tournament today. Uh, you know, so born and reef, they have the, the background. We got everybody's using, you know, beeper pod holders, the long rods. I would say uh, a few guys are using spinning gear and, you know, maybe traditional bow balls, worms. Uh, but majority of everybody is very, very traditional European style. And it's neat. You know, I had multiple people here. I mean, obviously, we're in the little town. A lot of people walking around, hiking. Um, and people are stopping to ask about the crap thing. And again, you know, it's very, very common to talk to somebody that, you know, again, you consider them a trash fish or, you know, whatever you want to call them. Um, but nobody gives them credit for how educated they are. Um, and when you sit down and you look at the actual rigs, I mean, the different hair rigs and multi-rigs and the way that these guys build their setups and, you know, what it takes to trick a carp. And you get a carp like at this reservoir where they might not be fished for a lot. I don't want to say they're dumb, but they're they're willing to make mistakes, but if you go to a, a traditional carp fishery that gets hit pretty hard, um, I mean, they're almost impossible to catch. Their memory is fantastic. They're an old fish, um, and they don't make as many mistakes. 
mistakes as a lot of anglers think they do. You know, a lot of guys snag them or catch them accidentally. But I always tell somebody that says they're, you know, they're easy to catch or this or that. I would say, hey, go out and catch five of them. You know, we can all go catch five bass or five walleye. Go catch five carp in a day. And all of a sudden, people really like, man, that's harder than you think it is. And there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. And with that being said, I would love to invite people out here. If you are intrigued at carp fishing at all, come down here to Clement Park um, and watch it. The weigh-ins at 3 p.m., but these anglers are out here. They're all willing to talk to you and help you out. Um, it's really a neat sport fish that's underutilized, uh, especially here in the state of Colorado. And uh, we're here to grow the sport of it, for sure. Well, I can tell you this. When I filmed with you at Chatfield, and, and, and you and, and Mr. Robert Schmack uh, got out all the carp stuff uh, that we were going to use to whip our bait up <laughs> together, I couldn't decide if I wanted to fish or make breakfast with it. Uh, I mean, we're, we're looking at hot sauce and oats oh, and, yeah. you know, corn. Pineapple is doing very well today, so pineapple flavoring is doing really good. Uh, whey protein is doing very well mixing the dough balls today. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And generally speaking, we're using a lot of a lot of sweet flavors in the heat, and then we go into kind of a spice in the mid-season, and then a really bland, uh, high-protein in the fall in colder water. Yeah, who would have thought? Now, another thing about carp that people don't really maybe consider is, as from the artificial lure standpoint or the fly standpoint, uh, extremely challenging fish. Uh, we also did a show fly fishing for carp, and uh, and and I got my butt kicked to be honest with you. And we, we we caught them, but uh, but they 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 made me earn it. We were fishing them in heavy cover, and uh, you know. One thing about carp is they're smart, as you alluded to already. In fact, Berkeley spent a lot of money to figure out that they're the smartest freshwater fish. Uh, they have the longest retention. They remember negative influences longer than anything else. So once they've been caught, they know it. They remember it. And, and I want to point out that we're in a trout state in Colorado, but uh, according to Pure Fishing or according to Berkeley, the dumbest freshwater fish is the rainbow trout, uh, <laughs> which is kind of ironic. And I think it's because they've been raised in hatcheries for centuries and, uh, and they have the lowest retention. They have the lowest retention of remembering anything bad that happened to them, just the opposite of carp. Tricking a carp with a fly rod or artificial bait's hard. Uh, it's hard enough with, with oatmeal, as I figured out, but, uh, but, yeah. but, but pretty neat <laughs> yeah, deal. It's neat with the fly rod aspect. I watched this morning, and he's got you know nine-foot rods, full Euro rig, but laying on the shore, he also has his fly rod. So I, you know, I struck up the conversation. I'm like, hey, what's your plan? He goes, man, when I was pre-fishing the other day, he goes, I caught him on all the all the bait pods and everything like that early. He goes, but all of a sudden, high noon came around. He goes, and the fish were everywhere, and you could sight fish for them. He goes, when they came up like that, I could not catch them on the Euro stuff, but they were taking insects. They were taking cotton. Um, they were eating everything on the surface, and the fly rod excelled. So this gentleman's actually kind of having a two-part plan. He's planning on, on using all the bait uh, until right around 11 o'clock. He's actually going to switch to the fly rod. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see the results of that because in theory, um, it's kind of the perfect plan. So we'll uh, we'll see if he can execute that and uh, and pull it off. But, I mean, it's definitely uh, it's a, it's a neat situation and a, and a neat sport. And we always say if a, a bass fisherman or a walleye fisherman or a lake trout fisherman, any of the, the hardcore dedicated anglers to a certain species, if we put the emphasis and the knowledge and the tiny details that a carp angler does to carp, if we did that for these other species, you would literally be ready for the Bassmaster Classic. It's unbelievable how much more precision a carp angler puts on it. You have one style of fishing, you know, bait on the bottom, essentially. But yet there's thousands and thousands of tricks and techniques to enhance that. I mean, it would be like taking you and saying, hey, you know, you're the best jerkbait fisherman we know. But here's, you know, 
5,000 ways to fish that jerkbait. And that's literally what it comes down to in the carp world. Well, I think so too. And I noticed that when I fished with you guys, uh, the nuances were there. And that was a, it was a fun show, actually, when we did that. So, uh, And just for the record, I don't know who that gentleman is with the two-pronged approach, but I'm pulling for him. So uh, <laughs> I hope he wins. But uh, we're, we've got about three, three minutes or so, Nate. And you want to talk a little bit about scouting. And uh, we're getting to be that big game season. It kind of feels a little bit like fall outside right now. Uh, where are you and your scouting? Where should folks be? You know, I mean, the biggest thing is, is, number one, you should be out there. And with that being said, you know, we're really getting to the point where you should almost have a plan. I mean, essentially, we're three weeks away from the archery pronghorn season starting. So with the pronghorn thing talking first, you know, again, a lot of archery hunters are taking up that sport of chasing pronghorn with a bow. Uh, a lot of people are doing it simply for the fact that the tags are easier to get. Um, in the last five years, it's become somewhat hard to draw a pronghorn rifle tag. So you're seeing a lot of hunters that are actually switching to archery equipment simply to get tags uh, rather than waiting an extended amount of time to hunt them with a rifle. And as these hunters are, are getting out there and pursuing you know, somewhat maybe a new sport to them, um, right now is the time when you should be full-blown prepping for that hunt to where you know if you're going to waterhole it, you're scouting out those waterholes. As we get all this moisture, you're gaining new waterholes. So you're truly trying to pattern where they're drinking. You're building your blind so these animals get accustomed to that blind being near their waterhole. Um, I do a lot of things with watching paths. So I'll literally watch where these pronghorn maybe are approaching a fence, and I'll take a piece of wire with me, and I'll pull up the bottom wire on a fence. As long as it doesn't affect a rancher or what the fence is intended for, you know, you can just pull up that bottom wire four or five inches and literally the pronghorn will start utilizing that little elevation change to go underneath that fence. So there's a million styles of how you hunt these with a bow, but the biggest thing is you should be prepping for that right now. Understanding your game plan, whether it's a water hole or a spot and stock or you know waiting for them to cross in a trail type situation, but you need to be on top of that right now because the season is very fast approaching um, and it's, it's just close so you need to be prepping for that. As far as the elk and deer, 100% without a doubt, these animals are exactly where they're going to be on that opening archery date coming up here, you know, essentially in a month. Um, so there's no excuses to say, oh, it's still early. You know, they haven't moved in. I mean, the calves are on the ground. Migration summer patterns are done. Where the animals stand today is where they're going to be standing or, you know, in the vicinity of um, come that opening archery hunt. So now is your time to get out there. You should now be seeing animals. We talked a couple weeks ago about learning the land and the trails and the access and all that type of stuff. You should now be looking for animals, getting a rough idea of herd counts, and just really getting an idea of what's in the area you're hunting. Because, again, where they're at now is where they're going to be on opening day. Well, Nate, I agree with all of that 100%, and there is no substitution for getting an early start on it. We've got uh, only about 45 seconds here, but I'm of the opinion that you want to see them, but you want to see them from a ways away. You do not want to be walking in the middle of your herds of animals at this point. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, 100%. Keep a distance and uh, don't bugger them up because they're there and uh, and it's easy to hunt. With that being said, guys, if you want to win an elk hunt, uh, we are doing an archery elk hunt sweepstakes through Bowtech Archery. If you want to say that out real quick, uh, you can text in or you can just go to the Bowtech Archery uh, website and uh, and sign up to win a guided hunt. That's going to be pretty incredible. Also, stay tuned for all of our live feeds that we're now doing on Bowtech, and that's Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. here in the Rockies. So Tuesday at 8 p.m., you can catch up on all your further hunting reports uh, on a live feed with myself. And very quickly, where are you right now if they want to come out this afternoon? I am at Johnson's Reservoir, which is known as Clement Park, right here in Littleton. All right, there you go, guys. That's Nathan Zelinski at Tightline Outdoors with his Don't Bash the Trash Carp event. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, Jen.
And uh, you guys should go check that out. It's probably interesting. I think you'd be surprised at, uh, at how technical those guys get with Chase and Carp. And with that, we're going to step aside and take a quick break. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on FM 104.3, The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage, special circumstance lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222, the phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 1200716. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. All right, welcome back to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on FM 104.3 The Fan. I'm Chad Lachance. We're filling in for Terry, who's once again away and traveling. We always appreciate that opportunity. And uh, if you guys listen to this show very much, and uh, first of all, we appreciate that you do, but you know that we talk a lot about uh, fishing soft plastics, whether it be plastic worms or tube jigs or things like that. Uh, we talk a lot about that on this show. And if you're a fan of Fishful Thinker Television, you know that our show is basically synonymous with gulp. We do a lot of gulp uh, gulp things like that. We do a lot of flicker sheds and, and other baits, hard baits as well, but we do, we really focus a lot on soft plastics. Well, we're going to be joined on the phone right now by Mr. Aaron Wavra. He's the soft plastics manager for Berkeley Fishing. Now, anyone that knows anything about Berkeley knows Gulp, Power Bait, uh, and, uh, and the all-new Maxent, they're all your babies. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, Chad. How you doing? Well, I'm not fishing, as we've discussed, so uh, so I'm not as good as I could be, but I'm very happy to have you on the phone because I think one of the most common questions I get these days is, uh, okay, so there's power bait, there's Maxent, and there's Gulp, and there's nobody that's really better suited to give us a rundown on basically the, the, the functional differences of those three products than you are. So why don't you give us a rundown on those real quick? Yeah, no problem, Chad. I do appreciate the opportunity to uh, do this, and I, and I do thank you for helping educate those anglers out there. Um, from a power bait standpoint, uh, you essentially have two options. You have power bait and power bait max scent. And then, like you said, you have gulp. And the differences lie in how they can be fished and the properties of the materials. Power bait is essentially um, lives and breathes on the ability to uh, have a fish bite and hold on, which means the flavor of the soft plastic is what triggers the fish to grab on and, and hold on to it like it's food. Um, compared to other soft plastics in the industry, um, a flavor that may be uh, impregnated in those plastics might be something that those fish don't really care for. It might be something that sounds appealing to the angler, but when the fish actually bites on it, it doesn't taste like food to the fish and they spit it back out. Power bait uh, has been scientifically proven over years, 30-plus uh, years of research to really develop uh, attractants and flavors that the fish grab onto and it tastes like food and they actually want to swallow it, giving the angler more time to set the hook. Well, and, and yeah. we, we talk about that a lot in our guiding. That's one of the biggest reasons that I, I think I'm so married to using Powerbait and Gold products is the fact that it's not maybe that I get a lot more bites, it's that I detect a lot more bites because the fish hang on to the bait and it gives a, a, maybe a less experienced angler more time to get a hook set. And, uh, and I've, we find that constantly in our guiding. So tell us a little bit about Gulp. Now, just so you're aware, because uh, I know you don't spend a lot of time maybe in Colorado, my television show is basically synonymous with Gulp minnows. We go through pallets of Gulp minnows 
goes uh, every year in our guiding. I'm, I'm a biggest proponent of that bait out there. I'm up to 77 species of fish on a three inch gulp minnow. Uh, you, you know, I'm a big fish eat little fish, and there's no better little fish than a gulp minnow. Tell us a little bit about what gulp actually is, and uh, and rundown on that. Yeah, so gulp uh, gulp basically takes the uh, the technology of flavor and marries that also in addition to scent. So fish key on um, more than one scent or more than one um, um, like a sense, basically. Of, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. One sense, excuse me. And uh, gulp brings both of those into the water. So when you fish gulp, you put it into the water and it exudes or disperses a scent that goes into the water and attracts fish, whether the bait is moving and the fish can trail it or whether they're in an area that the scent is filling, uh, that fish can detect it and hone in on that bait. And then when they come in and grab it, like power bait, gulp has a flavor that's super powerful and tastes like live bait, and the fish actually thinks it's live food. So you get the scent and the flavor, which increases your catch rates over and above uh, even power bait when you're using gulp. Well, I can tell you, uh, you know, obviously we we have a tremendous amount of confidence in it, but I had a, a channel cat in a fish tank at one point, and you could take a gulp minnow and cut the end of it off so it's just a little little chunk, right? Just a little chunk, the yep. end off a piece of a gulp minnow, drop it in that tank, and that catfish would go seek it out and find it, and then he would eat it. And interestingly enough, it is also biodegradable. Uh, it's water-based and biodegradable, and so there's some positives there uh, as well as far as gulp goes. Now, I also do a lot of saltwater fishing. We take a lot of questions of guys that are that are hey I'm, I'm going to florida i'm going to disney world but i want to take a little bit of tackle or i'm going to go see grandma in in miami and uh and i want to take a little bit of tackle and i tell people you need one thing you need a four inch gold minnow and a jig head and you can catch everybody that swims uh <laughs> it, it doesn't really seem to matter uh where you go that 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 dog will hunt now i had a long talk with john proc now and he's the chemist behind uh the products that you that you're the product manager for and he's told me that the that the difference between salt saltwater gulp freshwater gulp uh is basically that the fundamental meat and potatoes are the same it's just lightly seasoned different uh, and they're color fast you can mix and match the baits in the same container correct yes that's a great way of explaining it those meat and potatoes are the foundation of gulp whether it be the scent or flavor uh is is an attractant to all fish species but that that seasoning on top is what we can hone in on on different, say, saltwater species or freshwater species. So we can really target and get uh, a pinpoint accuracy on uh, providing the best uh, flavored and scented bait that that fish wants. Well, and, and like I said, it's extremely effective. Now, let's talk a little bit about Maxent, uh, specifically Powerbait Maxent. It's a brand new thing. came out last year. We started fishing it a bunch last year. Uh, some new shapes and sizes and stuff added to it for this year. Uh, I spent all day in the boat or all morning in the boat yesterday with the new flatworm. Um, just drop shot in the snot out of a bunch of small mouths. That little dog will hunt, I promise you. Very, very subtle motion on that. I love it. Uh, what's the basic premise behind Maxent? So you kind of indicated on gulp that gulp is a water-based material. Power bait is PVC or like a petroleum-based uh, material like most plastics. And PVC will hold in, uh, or standard PVC will hold in that scent. So power bait has a great flavor profile, but, but a small scent profile. And gulp has a great flavor profile, but a huge scent dispersion profile. Well, now the chemists like John Prochnow and our team have been able to develop a material called Power Bait Max Scent that takes the best of both worlds and marries them into a bait that's perfect for bass fishing. Gulp has a hindrance in that it'll dry out on your hook, 
when bass guys are running around the lake and they leave their baits rigged up, it's not always the best solution, even though it catches a lot of fish. Max Sen is targeted perfectly for bass um, or, or really any species, but bass primarily because those guys like to rig it up and run all over the lake. And then Powerbait Max Scent will actually disperse in the water like gulp. So you have Powerbait that's a flavor based bait then you have power bait max scent which is flavor and scent and really positioned well for uh, bass anglers well and i can tell you uh for folks that haven't seen the stuff in person it's in the purple bag so that's what you're looking for purple and white bags but if you take a bait out of the package and you squeeze it liquid will come out of it. It, it. It's outwardly dry when you look at it, but when you squeeze it, liquid comes out just like your kitchen sponge. It's basically near as I can tell. It's very porous, and uh, but it won't dry out. You leave it on your hook, it won't dry out, but you can squeeze it and liquid will come out of it. Can you put it back in the bag and will it reabsorb liquid? I will pick up any, uh, any water-based liquid that you put it into. So when we when we manufacture it, we actually produce the bait, shoot the bait, mold the bait, and then hydrate it up with the attractants um, that are in max scent. And then when it hits the water, those attractants start leaching out. And you can take it back out and you can uh, put it in, uh, say, a gulp recharge or another uh, liquid attractant, and it would pick up that flavor. But really, this bait is set up to fish the life of the bait with the amount of attractant that's in it. So that really shouldn't be... Uh, something that is necessary, even though some anglers may want to uh, um, kind of trick out their bait, so to speak. Well, one thing I can tell you for sure, uh, you said it's designed to fish the life of the bait. Uh, that's that's um, that's going to be a busy bait because we were dropping flatworms on visible smallmouth on a graph yesterday, and it gets down there. You shake the rod tip a couple, three times with the drop shot, and they were on there right now. And uh, and that was a fantastic deal. We did the same thing with uh, some of the flat-nosed minnows last year. The creature hog's been a great one if you're a bass guy that wants, uh, you know, you want to drag a creature bait around. The creature hog's been a really good one for us. The, the chunk is been really good uh it's 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 been a very well received bait for us across the board all the sizes all the colors i love the matte finish colors on them as well uh, very natural looking bait and uh, we're real excited to, to be using them a bunch yeah the big thing like you named some of those shapes um the key thing that we've done with max scent is we've in our launch year and in this coming year you're going to see more profiles that really help the angler when it comes to finesse presentations so when bass are hitting everything, I mean, you can darn near catch them on a shoe, but when they start slowing down and they really start discerning, that's when Max Sen is really going to become powerful because it gives them that extra time. You don't have to move the bait real fast, and that fish will come up and discern. It might even grab the bait um, and test it before it even grabs on and wants to eat it. So in those real finesse presentations, like you're talking about drop-shotting that flatworm, um, you're going to really start to uh, see major major catch rate improvements when you're using Maxent. Well, and I got an email from a guy yesterday, and we're going to wrap it up with this. So I got an email from a guy yesterday who I introduced to the General, which is basically a soft stickworm. Uh, showed him how to rig it with a little piece of shrink tubing, like an eighth inch wide around it, shrink it up on there, run a wacky rig hook through the middle of that. It stays on there forever, and he's out skipping docks with it at Boyd Lake here in Colorado. Said he murdered him. Love to hear that. So, Aaron, I appreciate very much uh, all your efforts to bring us fantastic baits and i will continue to do my part to make sure everybody's aware of them that sounds great chad we appreciate you all right that's aaron wabra he's the soft plastics manager for berkeley uh obviously the industry leader in that between power bait and gulp and all the above that's an important guy in your fishing so good guy we love to talk to him with that we're going to step aside take a quick break you're listening to terry wickstrom outdoors on fm 104.3 the fan 
You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. All right, welcome back to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on FM 104.3 The Fan. I'm Chad Lachance filling in for Terry. We're in our final hour here, final half hour at this point. Guys, man, how time flies. You know, I can tell you on my way down here this morning, it uh, it was looking like fall. Uh, it feels like fall. I live up at Horseshoe the Reservoir, opened the, opened the blinds this morning, and, uh, and it's looking and feeling like fall right now, guys. And what that means is we need to be practicing. We were talking to Nate earlier, Nate Zielinski. Uh, he's already talking about archery season, you know. Well, now we're going to be joined on the phones by JR from Colorado Clays, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the upcoming bird seasons and gun seasons. Good morning, JR. Hey, good morning, Chad. Uh, how are you doing this morning? You guys busy out there? Doing very well. We got a nice overcast day, and I got to say, I love shooting on days like this. Those targets are just so uniform and uh, just nice, cool weather. Couldn't be more comfortable. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I'm a fan of practicing in a, in a weather condition that's as similar as possible to what you're shooting in and uh, in, the, in the hunting season. And this seems like a good day for that. Now, we've been talking a little bit over the course of the show here. Uh, we talked with Nathan talking about getting his bow tuned up, you know, uh, and getting some uh, scouting done. And we talked to a lady from Cheyenne Mountain State Park with their archery range down there. But there is no... No substitution for practice. I don't care what your firearm is. Uh, there is no substitution for practice. The first real gun season coming up as far as any sort of a hunting season is September 1st, uh, basically right at a month away. That's dove season. Um, those little guys are super easy to hit, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. But, you know, Chad, so let me start. Um, in case there is anybody is not familiar with us, Colorado Clay Shooting Park is – Colorado's premier public shooting facility. Uh, we're open year-round, and we are available to everyone for all of your shooting needs. Um, I, and whether it be pistol, uh, we've got 10 bays of pistol with a target return system, a 100-yard rifle range, which is state-of-the-art. We might talk about that here a little more. And, of course, on the shotgun side, we have everything from a training trap for beginners um, people starting out, the kids, whatever it might be. And then, of course, seven trap ranges, a uh, couple wobble traps, which I know we'll be talking about uh, relative to the upland bird seasons coming up. Those are very good tools. Of course, some skeet and our fantastic sporting clays course. But, you know, Chad, back to the dove season. It is coming. It's creeping up fast. And i got to say something I see every year. It seems like people start um, on opening day shooting, and they don't really hit their top shooting form till towards the end of the season. Then they put the guns up, and they got to start over. So this Colorado Clays gives people the opportunity to come out here before season and get back to the basics, work on those fundamentals of their shooting form. And, you know, what I'm talking about is perhaps your stance relative to your target and its path. Um, getting that stance right uh, gives you range of motion so you can actually do good follow-through and uh, keep that gun swinging on your target as it comes by. You know, getting that gun mount down, and we have to have that same sight picture every time if we're going to be consistent in our shooting. And there's nothing like getting in the stand and calling for clay targets to work on them. Um, another factor, and I know we've talked about this in the past, is you know wearing those clothes that you hunt in. There's sometimes um, mounting your gun and, and doing things with those hunting clothes is a little different than it is just in a T-shirt. And another thing, it really 
it helps you decide which shots are the one that you need to work on. You know, which ones do you need to work on your lead, perhaps, and uh, get that confidence in your ability up to make those shots and also know your limitations, um, you know, before you get into the field. Of not only yourself, but your equipment, you know, uh, the combination of the gun, the ammo, and you, so we can always be a good ethical hunter. And, of course, familiarity with your gun uh, so that some things come automatic without having to look or think about it, such as maybe hitting your safety, opening, closing your action, and what have you. And, of course, you know, just make sure that gear is in good working order. Yeah, I think that a couple things jumped out of me. First of all, uh, practicing with the with the appropriate clothes on. Uh, guns don't mount the same when you've got a bunch of clothes on than they do when you're in your living room with a t-shirt on. So that's a key one. Uh, and the other one, uh, you know, finding your safety. One thing that's that's critical that I've done my entire hunting career. All of my shotguns and my rifles that I hunt with all have the safety in the same spot. So it is very much automatic for me to hit a safety because they're always on my thumb every time. And uh, and that's a really important thing. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in the field with the guys that miss the safety on the first one. Then the second shot's hurried and the game gets away. So that's no good. Um, you know, the other thing about Dove, I think that a lot of people don't realize is how big of leads you really need on some of those. Uh, they're very fast birds and uh, and big leads on them, and that just takes practice. It does, and, and like you said, Chad, you nailed it on the head. There's no substitution for trigger time when it comes to getting getting your leads, getting your stuff figured out. One other interesting note on that fact, you know, sometimes um, targets at a given distance you know, look different. You may think the lead's different, but it just so happens that a standard size clay target is about the same size as the aiming area on a dove. So you're not going to get better practice than coming to Colorado Clays. Um, and you can pick, you know, any practice is good, but I'll tell you what, our Sporting Clays course will give you all the ranges and possible presentations you can imagine, whether it's, you know, flushes, incomers, outgoing, crossing, fast, slow, we have it all. And a guy can really go out there and work on the ones that give him trouble. Well, we talked earlier about the walking range for archery being uh, being effectively golf for, for archers. Well, sporting clays is, is golf for shotgunners, uh, for lack of a better way to put it. Each one's a little different. Each station's a little different. Um, and, you know, it's, it is the best practice out there. But we're going to run out of time. Here. I want to talk just real quick about your muzzleloader stuff. Uh, you know, there's no secret we've had some dry areas in Colorado this year. Practicing with a muzzleloader out in the woods is not a good plan, probably right this minute. You guys allow muzzleloaders at your range? We do, Chad, and that's a good call. Um, yeah, we don't need any more fires going. And not only that, uh, at Colorado Clays, our rifle range is uh, NRA-approved state-of-the-art facility. Um, you know, with our 100 yards, we actually have telephoto cameras on your target and monitors in the bay. You can do sight-in in real time without spotting equipment here. And one thing we've done almost specifically for the muzzle loaders, we do have a, an intermediate target at 50 yards. So if you're having trouble getting that guy on paper, um, we, we can get you dialed in close before you uh, reach out a little bit farther. And being that we are a semi-outdoor type range, that means we have natural light and airflow downrange. So it, it actually is uh, more representative of you know the outdoor experience, the ventilation, everything just makes it a very muzzleloader friendly facility. And 
Yeah, I always got to say this, Chad. Our staff is second to none. Uh, nobody can help you get dialed in better than at Colorado Clays. Well, I love the sound of all that. The natural light thing's not to be. Uh, you know, we didn't we didn't really get time to talk about it a whole lot. But the the hundred yard rifle ranges and and it's going to go into the gun seasons. I'm sure we'll get you back on for that. But practicing in natural light with an optic, of course, that's not legal for uh, for a muzzleloader. But on a but on a bolt action rifle here in Colorado, optics are legal. Uh, those are very difficult to practice with indoors. Uh, you're so much better with natural light. So. Uh, uh, quickly here, Jr. If a guy wants to come find you, where do they do? Where do they get information? Best ColoradoClays.com, um, and you can take a virtual tour of the facility out there. Uh, gives direction that shows where we're at. Or you're more than welcome to call us. Uh, talk to myself, Doug, Corey. We'll all we'll all get you going. Three zero three six five nine seven one one seven. Final question. I've got a three seventy five H and H mag. I got to get tuned up for uh, for a brown bear hunt. Can I bring it? Absolutely, bud. There you go, bringing the big guns. All right, that's Jr. from Colorado Clays. We always a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate you taking time to call in. Thank you, Chad. You bet. And guys, that's a neat facility. It really is a variety of shooting. I'm getting texts from a buddy of mine in Kremlin, Herrick, uh, sending me pictures of groups he's shooting right now. So uh, practice, 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 guys. We're going to step aside, take a quick break. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on FM 104.3, The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealers. All right, welcome back to the final segment of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on FM 104.3, the fan on this beautiful Colorado late summertime day. Uh, kind of day that makes you want to be out on the lake, be outside doing something. So uh, hopefully you're listening from your car and you're headed somewhere good. Uh, we're going to go back to the phones. We're joined by another one of the Fishful Thinker crew. That's Mr. Ronnie Castiglione, one of the guides with us. Good morning, Ronnie. How you doing this morning, Chad? Well, pretty good. I'm not fishing. Are you fishing by chance? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we are on Boyd, Boyd Lake and uh, having a lot of fun. The fishing's uh, been really good all morning. So, Oh, I good bet. Time. I bet. Now, Boyd Lake's a state park in north-central Colorado, guys. If you're not familiar with that, uh, I would go out on a limb and say you're probably fishing for largemouth bass. Yeah, we've been really focused on the largemouth this morning, and we had a real nice kind of overcast morning for most of the morning. You know, the sun's just recently started poking from the clouds, but all morning long, uh, it really looked like a textbook surface kind of frog day, and sure enough, they absolutely crushed the frog for us this morning. So uh, lots of fun out here, but yeah, largemouth's definitely been what we've been targeting. Well, that seems to be a common theme on this show a little bit. We were talking with the guys from Berkeley about uh, some of the max scent being targeted for largemouth bass. Uh, I know once the... uh, once the sun comes up and those bass give up on that frog, you can probably go around and start fishing some of the vegetation with something like uh, a creature hog and get her done that way. We also talked to the, uh, you'll like this, Ronnie, we talked to the assistant hatchery chief, and uh, and they have revamped the entire largemouth uh, stocking system for Colorado. Going to stock 2 million of those suckers this year. That makes you happy? Yeah, that's awesome to hear. You know, largemouth going into a lot of these bodies of water. Largemouth are are easy to catch at times, so because they're relatively shallow a lot of times. So you know, the more you put in these lakes, the more shore anglers are going to have success with them, and and of course the guys that are out on the boat hunting are going to have success. But I, I'm I'm a pretty proponent of putting more of those largemouth into these bodies of water. No doubt about it. Well, I kind of thought so. I, I didn't figure that'd break your heart any. Mine as well. Of course, as we discussed earlier, it is the number one sport fish nationwide. When 
with a lot of people moving here from largemouth states, it makes sense that CPW has recognized that, hey, uh, and the other thing is they're a great substitute for the smallmouth bass, which uh, the feds have a kind of a, uh, let's say, war against on the western slope. So it's good to see that, uh, that we can replace them with largemouth bass, and nobody seems to care about those. So fantastic to see that. Now, we wanted to talk a little bit about summertime fishing. Now, you're doing a classic summertime thing, throwing a frog around vegetation for largemouth, but we guide it, Carter and Horsetooth as well. Um, what's your feelings on some of the guide trips? If a guy's interested in going on a trip with us, you know, everyone wants to go in spring. Why would they go with us in, in August or September? Yeah, there's some really good things to learn this time of year as you get into late summer and into fall. One of the big things that people struggle with dramatically here in Colorado, and, and me and Terry have talked about this all the time, is, is falling water in general throws everybody for a loop. So, you know, if you're going to go out with a guide and you're going to learn how to be successful when there is falling water, then this is the time of year to do it, Chad, because this is when the legs start to drop. Uh, Boyd, for example, is probably dropping anywhere from four to five inches a day, and horse tooth, you know, anywhere from 10 to 12. 12 inches a day right now. So, uh, you know, you can definitely get out. You can see how we like to target and pattern these fish. We can show you, you know, hey, a week ago, these fish were in these kind of areas right here. But now that the water's dropped off, they've moved. And that's a classic thing that you can see at Boyd right now. You know, some of the mats and some of the areas we were catching them last week on this lake, uh, there's only six inches of water under those right now. And they've slid out to the slightly deeper mats. So it's it's an opportunity to learn those kind of things. And, you know, horse tooth fluctuates so dramatically. Chad, and you know, any any given year, we we could see what fifty, maybe sixty vertical feet of drop up on that lake. It's very common. Uh, that gives you an opportunity to get out there and learn the reservoir when the lake's drawn down. As we get into fall, you'll learn a lot more on a day of seeing the lake low than you'll learn on a day of it being full. Chad, I can tell you that. Well, yeah, no doubt. Horsey, just to set the record straight for people that may not be familiar, horsey does fluctuate fifty to sixty feet. Uh, can do as much as seventy vertical feet. Uh, right now it is 22 feet down from full so that means that as an angler i can go look at stuff that i was fishing in spring is now above the above the water and i can go well first i can go get my jigs back (laughs) but uh but but second of all i can learn that structure i can basically reverse engineer spots and i know you've spent a lot of time over the years uh, as have i uh and one and actually dan as well uh when the lakes are down that's when you really want to go study the banks that's when you want to carry your gps around and mark stuff uh that's when you want to compare your maps of where you were catching them to how you could catch them in the future. That's when you really learn what's going on with the, with the cover and the structure. Would you agree with me there? Yeah, 100%. You know, so if you think about like in spring, as far as going out on a guide trip, you can definitely run through, you know, late spring and early summer, you're going to run run through a lot of patterns and be able to learn a lot of different ways to target the fish. As we get into late summer and into fall, then you can definitely learn the structure and you can learn, okay, what's going on under the water? Where should I be targeting this fish? And, you know, and then when we really get into the fall and these fish start chasing bait around the lake, uh, then it's a whole other deal. You get to go out there and you get to sight fish a lot of days and a lot of mornings and you get to track down fish that are right out in the middle of the lake busting shad. And you know me, that's one of my favorite ways to catch fish. And I've talked about targeting those trout on horse tooth for years uh, out there right in the middle of the lake, targeting those giant 10-pound trout when they're right up on the surface. There's not a lot more of an exciting way to catch a fish when you vir- visually see it on the surface, Chad. You know, this time of year, going into fall, all of that stuff opens itself up, 
And it's just a, it's an excellent time to get out for people that are really wanting to learn, for people that maybe struggle, talk about dog days of summer, that kind of a thing. Uh, guiding while it's tough for most people is definitely the time to get out and learn stuff, Chad. Yeah, no question. Agree with that 100%. Now, Ronnie, I'm going to tell you something to make you real happy. That that open water bite starting to happen pretty good already. Yesterday morning, I was throwing a walking bait, a brand new uh, Driftwalker 110. It's a brand new Berkeley topwater bait. It's a walking bait uh, typified by, say, a Zara Spook. You walk the dog with it. It floats on the surface was working that over about 50 feet of water or so, working it back to the boat. A smallmouth, like 10 inches long, smokes it. No big deal. Okay. You know, deep water smallmouth. I get him almost to the boat and a big giant wiper took a swap at him right at the boat on film. So, <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I've seen that before on horse tooth and, uh, and uh, I'm assuming was that on horse tooth? Or it was. That? that was on horse tooth. And then earlier in that same day, I had a smallmouth on the on the top water bait and let him dive and pinned his buddy as well. Had two of them on the same bait. So what uh, my point being is that whole that that whole fall feeding thing is starting to happen, and their fish are really getting fired up now. You can catch them in open water, but you can still sit on the graph. Now, Ron, we've only got a few minutes, so don't get too crazy with us. But how much time do you spend, uh, you know, using your graph from say here on the rest of the year as far as looking at structure looking at fish 15 20 25 feet below the boat you spend a lot of time doing that definitely way more time than i'd spend early in the year doing it chad you know as i get into fall especially there's there's mornings i run out and i don't fish uh, for the first 45 minutes just because i'm running around scanning humps scanning points i'm looking for a combination of things as we get into fall now that the now that the bait fish are starting to move around the lake you know it's been my experience that if i can find the structure that's at the right depth that also has bait fish either adjacent or right there by it those tend to be the ones where the fish are active those tend to be the spots and you can literally just drive around and you can scan humps you can scan points you can see ones that have returns on them that look to just be fish laying there and then you'll come the one and there's a ball of shad sitting there as well those are the ones i target and i just kind of focus on those sort of narrow it down so scanning is definitely a big deal and then definitely when, it, when we're getting into open water and we're looking through these schools of shad that are moving around the lake and they can move from one end of the lake to the next on any given day shad so getting out and being able to side scan and being able to spot those fish at a distance seeing the schools of bait coming right up over on top of them looking for returns dropping to them or casting to them when they're on top uh, electronics are key as you get into late summer and fall shad there's no doubt about it I definitely use them more going forward in the year. Well, and that uh, we'll wrap it with that because here's the other thing about that, guys. If you do book a guide trip with Dan Swanson, Ronnie Castiglione, or myself for the for this time of year or thereafter, it is such an electronics-intensive day for the most part. Uh, it's a fantastic way to get our sonar course wrapped up into your guide trip at the same time. So a lot of what you learn, and all of us are focused on education. We are not destination fisheries. All three of us at Fishful Thinker are focused on education. Uh, without a doubt, uh, you're going to get a sonar in our class as well. We've all got new boats. Ronnie, Dan, and I all have 2018 Ranger boats, Lawrence Electronics on them. Uh, everything's latest and greatest, and it's a really good way to go, to go about learning a whole bunch of stuff. So, uh, Ron, real quick, what's your plan for the rest of the day? 30 seconds, what's your plan? What's your what's your pattern going to work out as? Sun's coming out right now. We've already switched to flipping some of these mats, and we've been pulling the last three or four fish we've caught have come out of some of the mats flipping. Seems like they're, they're, they're stopping coming to the surface. We'll probably run a few uh, boats the docks here as the, as the sun gets up a little higher and we get a little bit more shade. Um, but that's going to be kind of the deal. And then uh, just continue to run the same stuff, just kind of switch the, the presentation up as far as how we're targeting. So. All right. That sounds good. 10 seconds or less. What's your prediction for the winning weight of the 19th annual Fullman Open tonight at Horse 2 Fullman Reservoir? Open. Ah, winning weight. I'm going to say 10, 10, 6, 10, 10 7. Six. Somewhere there in there. Go. All right. I like that. Ronnie, we'll let you get back to fishing. That's Ronnie Castiglione. You 
can reach him, Ronnie, at fishfulthinker.com. Thank you, Ron. All right, Chad. Have a good one. You too. And uh, and guys, I recommend a guide trip with either Dan or Ronnie, both very knowledgeable guys, and uh, and I think you'll enjoy it. So I want to say a special thanks to Terry Wickstrom and Karen, of course, for uh, for letting me come in here and host this, and especially for our out-of-state callers, guys calling from out east, Dan Johnson from St. Croix Rods and Aaron Wavra calling in. Uh, those guys are really important to everything we do at Fishful Thinker, and uh, and also Terry Wickstrom uh, here at uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. He works with uh, particularly with Aaron as well, and uh, that's important stuff. So hopefully you've enjoyed the show. Thanks to my my beautiful bride for putting up for the wake up calls and uh with that we're going to sign off this has been terry wickstrom outdoors on fm 104.3 the fan